Oh, so this is recording, but only now about eight inches from my face. Um, just because I have background music from the mall. I went from the mall from the park. The park, well, once again, I totally predicted that that one homeless guy, I said, this is the, the, the craziest part about being a guy with a master's degree with 20 years experience in, in special ed or whatever. He's got a habit and his habit is to ride his bicycle around every single uh, spot where the kids might leave some cigarettes, including the, the children's uh, playground upper slide, he climbs up there every single day. And I noticed that for like a year or something. But now we have a conflict because his ex-girlfriend, black woman, who was on my, quote, my spot, but she left that spot. I didn't invade her spot. She left her spot, and then she came back, and she wanted it back. I said, no, it's my spot. There's falcons flying by. It's kind of cool looking. Double vision. Put my glasses on. Poetic. Okay, it's about... Uh, yeah, and he came by. He he rides a bicycle. It's like a ha it's every single day. It's a, okay. I understand this. I understand this. Okay, I'm becoming almost person who's uh, first of all drunk, more successful than him. But the thing is, he gets social security or something because he doesn't beg for money. And even his ex girlfriend told me because we had three personal conversations including the word Nebraska, and all I heard was when I, I'm just listening to my headphones and just listening to podcasts, and when I'm claiming a spot at the park earlier this morning, it's like, he says something about Nebraska boy or something like that. So, obviously they share, you know, I think they broke up because for two weeks he seemed to be alone. Maybe they're back together. I don't know. Just like homeless conflicts. It's like, okay, so if, if that's a minor homeless conflict, how many possible homeless conflicts do you think happen when you put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homeless people together? This is just me and five or six others. One admitted alcoholic, you know, the black chick, and one schizophrenic in, in my diagnosis as a non-doctor but as a, a master's degree special education teacher who's worked with special ed schizophrenics and seen it and heard it and this guy is like more retired age um, like I said I haven't seen I've never seen him beg for money but he's encouraging uh, his black girlfriend or ex-girlfriend to get on my spot. It's, like, it's the only corner that's like in the middle of 
two major corners is like a corner that most that most homeless people would just ignore, which they do. And I ran up to a guy. I ran up to a guy. Uh, did I say this before? I said I already said it. I ran up to this guy. I ran up to this random guy. I said, "This guy's gonna assault me." Thing is, he didn't know I had a knife in my pocket, and he doesn't know anything. I had a gun behind my back. I don't have a gun. That's fake. But I pretend I have a gun behind my back. So this morning, it's like once again, it happens again. I predict what his area, where he's going to be, what park he's going to be. And I'm only in this park one Sunday a week. Only on Sundays. It's Sunday. It's way too early. This mall is not open till noon. They can kick me out. Security comes by. No problem. In fact, I should probably walk away. Let me check the date again. It says Saturday. This is what vodka does to you. Because at my spot, I got donations from people. Now, I'm not saying they're stupid people. I say they're... Ex Don't you feel good when you give alms guy a dollar? Don't you feel good about yourself? But if it's only one out of 50 cars... Yeah, it's only one out of 50 cars. But the thing is, one out of 50 cars is is seven or eight dollars here and there. So t today, the, the mall is going to open at 9 or 10 a.m. So, but the thing is, I still need to skedaddle because security could come by. What time is it? 8.45. Shit, the mall. Okay, so I might be able to sit here for a while. Security, I, I, one thing about security I learned about is they, in most places, they don't even come in until after in the PM areas. Okay, I'm just going to lay it down. This is what it's about. This is, you want to really know what it's about to be homeless in fucking Miami? Okay, I got a little buzz on still from the morning buzz. This is a morning buzz. This is good. Listen to the music. This is from this is from the mall music. This is fucking shit. I see a couple little teeny birds. Little, what are they? I, I those little birds that pick up the bugs. Um, what are they called? Uh, they called the. Um, um, I, oh, I had a name for them. I don't remember now. Little bird, little bird, little bird. They, they, of course, he, <laughs> that's one of the weirdest things. When you say little bird in the high, in the high little pitch, you think they're going to fetch you or something or come by you. I mean, at least with a squirrel, if you pretend to throw something at them at the park, they kind of move towards you instead of backwards. 
And the thing is, I had experience with a raccoon in the jungle. I call it the jungle because it's just it's just a natural just a, a, a natural area, which is bare, barely one percent of the population here in southern Florida. That uh, a lot of homeless guys hang out. You know, not a lot actually, four or five maybe. You know, at least three for sure that I know of. So we just. Uh, thing is that raccoon got one of my uh, tortillas once and I tossed it to him. I was like fucking that was the worst mistake I ever made. And, and the thing is there's raccoons. Raccoons do not. They don't back down. They just even with a light even with the shiny light of the the cell phone uh, uh, flashlight they don't even fucking back down. The only, the only way that a raccoon will back down is I pretend to be a bear and run them, try to run them uh, 50 yards into the forest, which I never went 50 yards, but 10 yards into the forest. And it was the only thing that scared away a raccoon because nothing else would. I could slap things. I could, you know, hit my stick or throw things at it or whatever. Raccoon would always come back. The raccoon would always come back. Okay, well, we're going to come back to... Okay, it's this guy. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ. I'm getting extra... Okay, it's... Okay, this is what life's about, right? Challenges, right? So here's my challenge. There's no fucking challenge because I've already won. I've won eight times in a row. He's back down. Eight times in a row. I gave him three insults before I even talked back to him. Just in regular interactions. And the third time, I had a comeback. And he's back down now eight times. And today, wow, I feel really proud. And part of just, I'm just filling in my water bottle or whatever at the, at the park. And uh, I'm sitting there at the park at bench, or I'm sitting at the place where he would want want to put himself all day long. Because at this point, we don't know if there's going to be a cloudy day or a rainy day. Now it looks like it's going to be a straight day. You know, no rain. Looks like just looks like. But at that point, at six. 45 a.m., he rides by on his bicycle and he lips off to me, which I don't even hear because I'm just listening to my music on my on my cell phone and my headset. But I and then I pulled my headset off as he's moving away, and something was said something about Nebraska boy, Nebraska boy. Oh wow, you got the experience. Because I mentioned to his black girlfriend that I was from Nebraska. Because I had at least three nice conversations before we had our little disagreement about my spot. How can I, I see, how can I convince anybody that I'm a, a nice guy at this point? How can I convince anybody that I'm a nice guy? I'm not. 
Okay, how about this? This is the asshole explanation. I'm not a pussy. He's a fucking idiot, and I'll stab him if he confronts me. Okay, here's my real perspective. This is a unique experience. No, this is what's real. But I will not be hit on the back of my head with a baseball bat. I have a steak knife, and I have access to it. I have 20 years experience working with youth, adolescents, and adults with severe behavioral problems. I'm, it's so common to me. I could pre I've already predicted behaviors. Please. I'm a common sense, nice guy. Absolutely. Listen to the music. You can't even hear it. All I gotta have is moving forward. So, this is that little challenge that that guy gave me for the third or fourth time now. Well, he backed off about eight times in a row, so fuck you. You're a, once again going back to level one, you're a fucking wimp, you fucking asshole. Because he is a fucking asshole and he's a fucking wimp. But as me, as an adult, as a former teacher, very smart. God damn, so much smart. It's like, I wish I was dumb. I wish I was dumb. I wish I was... God, I... I shit. You know how many homeless people that I meet or occasionally come across? Not too many, because I'm not downtown. Downtown, there'd be hundreds. Here, there's like one or two. Or three or four. And they're crazy. And they're dumb. And they're wacko. And they just don't get it. The thing is, what, what do I... That's... A, that's a, when I say don't get it, that that's... That's a stereotype. I'm not saying they don't get it. They live in their own human resistance, existence, existence, existence. Just like I live in my human existence as a homeless person who's very smart, but an alcoholic, and the only thing I beg for money is for is for alcohol, and I. That's it. That's. But that is a self-medication for whatever... I, I've been diagnosed with mad depression, but it, it, I don't think I have it. I think I, I definitely know I've had episodes of mania versus over 10 years of just various experiences. Like, you know, clean the house for 20 hours straight, you know, once. But that's the only once.
it wasn't like 50 times. Like being in jail and just like, I couldn't sleep. You know, I, I, I went through a, this is one of the stories that I did, I told on a previous podcast or something. When I was in jail for one year, until they diagnosed me as magdepressive, I, I had to, quote, convince them because I kind of went through a, a period where they transferred me from one jail to another jail or whatever because of, you know, it's not like it's bad. It's not like they were just moving me towards, like, potential treatment or whatever. And it was... Um, In Omaha, there was like this 25-year-old guy. He was like a gang leader, drug seeker, drug drug dude in the prison. And I figured that out within like five seconds. I'm behind me. And... This, and this is, I don't know, this is, you know, it was the Omaha prison, the state prison, and um, I only, I knew I only had one year to serve, and I had like, I don't know, eight months to go, and I don't know, this guy, this was a young kid who was like a total drug addict, because I, I could tell the way he was seeking me. He wanted to be, but the thing is, it, it, this cell was different from, I guess the other cells was generally just two people, but this cell was like, in Omaha, it was like 10, 10 dudes, and he was like the top dog, and, and this is this is where the fucking crazy part of it, it's like he would like hide his, uh, uh, number one cell position with uh, this is modern day and this is this is a minor rebellion minor rebellion he, he's got sheets tour towards his lower bunk so he can kind of just be private in his little spot so what do I kind of do just even if the other guys didn't do it I kind of hide my sheet a little bit down and the first time, the, or the second time, the, the, the cell master walked through, told me to fucking pull up my fucking sheets in using that F word. And I said, what about him? And he just ignored me. And that motherfucker kept his sheets up. What was it? What was it? What was that? Okay, that, that is my only interaction with... What? Is this cell officer compromised of some sort? That allows the... 25-year-old drug dealer who's, like, intimidating me at the time. You know how... Okay, this is one of the greatest stories ever. This is one of the greatest... Story. This is what season three or four of my when I uh, in my TV series The Four Loves. After the first two seasons, one of the super super huge climax at, at the end of the second season is that Paul is in jail. 
and that's me. So I'm in jail, and it's like, how? Okay, and over, you know, just, uh, but most of the season is about, the third season or fourth season is about the, 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 the inner city school, different from my, my school, it's different from my school, but I'm a consultant, so that's kind of a flashback. But the current state of events really is that uh, Brian's in prison. Paul, Paul the character. So Paul, uh, which is me, okay, so what did I do? What did I do? And I wrote this down, but because I got, but the thing is I got lost because of, because of, because uh, uh, I just abandoned it. It was handwritten, but it's still in my brain. It's like, what, what happened? when Paul was in prison, it's like, first of all, why would Paul be in prison? It's like, okay, so you can explain that. I can, I can explain that. But the thing is, okay, while you're in prison, and these fucking white dudes are stuck on drugs and meth, like that guy behind the sheets, behind the, 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 the even the prison guard wouldn't even confront him. And he, he, and he was bullying me in a way. But he couldn't, he couldn't bully me. That was so, that was one of the greatest things in my life. This 25-year-old kid was like trying to bully me. <laughs> oh my God. He couldn't. But the thing is, he had other assholes behind him. And this other asshole behind him like wanted to smack me or, or have a fight with me. And I stood up and he go. You gonna hit me or something? What? You gonna hit me or something? So, and to me, it was ridiculous. Okay, but the thing, for him, it was so insulting that I could uh, that I had this. Uh, I have <laughs> independent power that which he, he couldn't understand. The independent power was. I'm a self-actualized adult with a master's degree. It doesn't fucking matter. That's and, and 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 you're you're a dick, basically. <laughs> okay, so here, here's the conclusion. This is this is where when he when he started to fuck up when he started to really threaten me and confront me or whatever, and I'm just ignoring him. What did I do in one day? This is, this is so true. This is what makes the story so great, which I don't know, it's good for TV. Like I said, season three, season four of my book, The Four Loves, it's already got season one or two down. Three and four are pretty fucking different. And they're, okay, it mostly has to do with the, with the treatment center or the uh, behavioral school in Kansas City. Proper, uh, the inner city school, but the side story now becomes me in prison, and so I'm in fucking prison. So, first of all, you don't know why or how I got in prison till later, which I could explain, but I'm in prison. It's like this guy is just totally confronting me again. It's like, oh my god. It's, what do I spend my day? What do I spend my day? I, 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 I didn't have access. Well, I had access to the library for a while. 
and now uh, whatever and I'd read books and this and that but you know you gotta go outside and shoot some hoops you know I'm a pretty good basketball player I coach PE at, at our, our old school you know uh, maybe got flashbacks of that uh, me and uh, Jay Nixon uh, who's the star of the season 3 or 4 um on my TV show, and it's like, it's like, uh, no TV show reality. I'm just saying reality. Reality says, what the fuck? These guys are playing basketball. Guess what I did in one day? In one day, said, uh, what's my, once again, what is my expertise? What is my You know, adaptability, uh, it's not, <laughs> behavioral masters, behavior disorders doesn't matter. My degree in behavior disorders doesn't really matter. It has to do with just me. My masters was just based on experience and, and life and teaching severely behavior disordered adolescents for 15 plus years at that point 20 years including working with group homes and I go to prison and there's this 25 year old white meth addict and his gang actually they had a gang threatening me and as soon as I noticed that, I don't know, it took a couple weeks. Because I went to a sleep-deprived state because I was kind of fantasizing about future. And I just, it was hard to sleep when you get prison. And I went to a sleep-deprived state. Once I got out of that, these guys just continued to threaten me and belittle me to my laughter and that makes them potentially more threatening and more objectionate to my laughter in one day one half a day because I would just shoot hoops outside just kind of on my own at the basketball court when we had to outside time or whatever just a regular president wasn't a wasn't a uh, lockdown or anything it was just a, you know you get a little bit of outside time and within one day I became friends with I don't know 15 black dudes who were better or almost as good at basketball players as I was took a shower with them without even looking at the dicks and I this is one of the happiest moments of my life it's like I actually overheard them talking to each other <laughs> once we got back to our regular white cell because they were segregated pretty much white black whatever <laughs> go back to my white cell with the white supremacists in my 
concave. What did you hear? Fuck, he's friends with a blah blah blah. But I luckily got transferred because I got diagnosed as manic depressive and went to the mental ward in Lincoln, which was pretty weird. That was kind of fun, actually, in a way. But uh, at least I convinced the doctor. But uh, I didn't, you know, uh, I don't... That was mostly had to do with the episode that I had... Um, of sleep-deprived state, and I guess maybe that, I don't know, is that controversial or something? But, because of that, I got diagnosed as manic-depressive, though, even though my, maybe my uh, counselor, Bob, who, when, when I went for nine months of treatment at the treatment center, after, in my probation, I had to do uh, a year of probation, but one of the contingencies was that I had to do treatment, and I did do treatment for nine months, and it was like, my counselor, Bob, I think he believes I was manic depressive, but I, I admit to episodes of mania, but it's very rare, and I don't need meds for it, but they gave me meds, and for the last six months of my one year term in jail was pretty much okay, wake up for breakfast, uh, go to sleep till noon, uh, eat lunch. <laughs> and then I had a TV, pretty much. Wow, that was great. I had to actually manipulate to get my TV in a way. Because they said, well, we're gonna change your roommate or whatever. Okay, I want a TV. <laughs> and guess what? I got a TV. Not everybody gets a TV for free, but apparently in prison, you have to actually, unless you buy it, because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any money. You could buy a TV actually in prison in Nebraska. It's like, oh my God, I, first I fucking, that seems so fucking ridiculous. I actually had TV with regular cable, which had whatever, 25 channels, including CNN and I guess, and you know, basic cable, basic low-level cable. It's like, fuck. And all I had to do was just say, negotiate, okay, uh, you're going to send me a new roommate, or uh, bunk, uh, double cell, in the, in, the, in the mental ward, pretty much. They call, I don't know, I call it mental ward. Which is a different section of the, the prison there, there that, that they would pay you <laughs> just to go to counseling. That's how great it was. They paid me 69 cents a day just to do fucking nothing. But the thing is, for me, it was like, I wasn't manipulating them. It was just kind of a guidance of what just happened. It was just kind of things that just kind of happened. Uh, well, this is a new story, I guess. I, yeah, well, fuck it. They get a podcast that I recorded. This is a new one. Uh, yeah, they pay me 69 cents a day to just go to regular counselor twice a week and 
go to the one class or two on whatever and transition or and uh, take my meds lithium now what's my relationship with lithium well my dad was diagnosed with mag depression and uh, my guess before he died at 78 um, maybe his uh, lithium helped him but the few times I interact with him later in his life maybe at Thanksgiving or something I actually had to invite this fuck that my fucking family was I don't even want to... If I didn't personally invite my dad to my own Thanksgiving, my brother and my mom would have just let him sleep. Mm. That's how kind of fucked up that was. But I brought him out. And he's... You know... I don't, I don't like, okay. I can have criticism about my family. Everybody has done wrong things. My mom, my brother, my other brother. I think my half-sister Sharon has probably been the most nicest person at least I've known, at least in my family. Part of it is because, well, none of part of it. She's just like, oh, come on. Like, she's not vocal or anything. I'm the vocal, weird. if anything, I'm the, and then I'm considered the oddball in the family? No, they're the old, they are all the oddballs. They were the oddballs. I was the normal one. Okay, here's the explanation of what normal means to me. A conscientious, nice person who does no wrong to others with purpose. And there's a few times that I did, like I said, even today, like I said, or yesterday, it's like, yeah, I don't like that homeless person. I don't, but I can't control them. And I don't know what they're gonna do. Right now, is all I have is now, is the mall, sitting there at the mall. The mall's gonna open up about uh, in an hour or so, or half hour. There's a clean lady I see across the street, across the little hall, it's an outdoor mall. I'm just sitting here. I could probably charge the phone. I don't know. Um, I kind of want to finish this fucking recording. It's not gonna be, I think I should post this one. I don't know. Okay, I, I've got a. Did I finish the story about prison?
Even my public attorney told me I would get three or four years, at least. And I only got one year. Because the judge actually read my commentary and read the files and read the whatever happened. How come you're... Okay. Okay, I can, I can say the times I got screwed, but okay, the thing is... Okay, here and now. Okay, get... Only thing you can live is now. Okay, now. Now, now, now. Okay. I'm at a mall. I can feel some sprinkles of, of, of moisture from the air, but because it always kind of rains slightly, almost all the time. Here, and there's fucking birds I've been noticing. There's fucking falcons that just fly and they soar and they fly. And they soar, they just soar. And there, oh, there's a pigeon. This is the mall. The mall makes a difference. There's only pigeons at the mall. Okay, so what? Okay. What was I going back to? Bottom line. Uh, the first thing I think of, who was the love of my life? And it was Celia, who I never had sex with. And she, the thing is she, Fell in love with 30 guys maybe in her life, and maybe, and I know I was one of them, but that was just a brief moment in time. Right after 9-11, it was like 9-12, it was like February 2002. And that's where my screenplay comes from, my screenplay. So, how about this, just request, my screenplay, I'll send you the first 30 pages. I'll send you the, 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 the stage. I did a, uh, a, a combined. I took my book, The Four Loves, my book, The Four Loves, and I combined it into a 30 or 20 minute screenplay, kind of like stage reading. And I could send you that, obviously, anyone for free. Please, if you, if you, the screenplay is better expression of myself than what I'm doing right now. I don't know. 